This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. And I, Mashi Lipsker, delighted to be with you on this Erev Shabbos, Erev Reish Chodesh, on a very, very wonderful, special, and energy-laden time. And indeed, our show today is dedicated to the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Lubavitcher Rebbe of Righteous Memory, whose yard site is coming up on the third day of Tammuz this coming week, and to draw inspiration from his life, his direction, his interaction, his messages, his very life and inspiration that continues to inspire countless individuals, communities, that continues to inspire growth, optimism, hope. In fact, the graveside of the Rebbe, which is always visited on a daily basis, hundreds, thousands of people will visit there in a week, but on the day of the yard site, tens of thousands of people will line up to spend a few moments in what's called the Oihel, in close proximity to where the Rebbe has been laid to rest, to pray, to connect, to draw inspiration, and to rededicate themselves to the Rebbe's message. What is a tzaddik? And how does a tzaddik impart to us his essence? We want to talk about that today. But in addition to talking about the Rebbe, his life's accomplishments, we're privileged to have with us in the studio a young shlucha, a young emissary of the Rebbe, who herself actually never met the Rebbe, who's representative of thousands like herself to share her story with us and to tell us what motivates her, what keeps her going, a little bit about what she does together with her husband and her family, where she does it. It's my pleasure to introduce Mushki Barber. Welcome, Thank Mushki. Thank you. Thank you. It's such a privilege to be here. And, of course, it's a special time for, for me, spending time with you, my wonderful mother. And as you've been talking about the upcoming day of Gimel Tammuz, I couldn't be here on a more honored day and feel more privileged than to discuss this auspicious time with you. Wonderful, Mushki. We'll be right back after this short break. This is Conversations with Mushi Lipsker. I'm Mushi Lipsker, and this is 101.9 High FM, and here we are on Erev Rosh Chodesh Tammuz. Tonight is Rosh Chodesh. It is the 30th day of the month of Sivan. And then on Sunday, we have the first day of the day of the month of Tammuz, the second day Rosh Chodesh. That is shortly followed on Monday night and Tuesday by the third of Tammuz, the 23rd yard site of the Lubavitcher Rebbe of Righteous Memory. And what better time than now to draw inspiration? Hasidim have what's called hachona. They prepare for any auspicious day. And our preparation now is to look at the life, to look at the activities of the Rebbe, 
and to see how we can emulate them, how we can attach ourselves to the tzaddik. Because on a yard site, the soul is elevated. On a yard site, not only is the soul elevated and does the soul ask for its near and dear ones and their needs, but a Rebbe asks for all of his mikushorim, all of those who are attached to him. Not only chsidim, but anyone who attaches themselves to the Rebbe. And the question is, how does one attach oneself? And the answer is very clear. The Rebbe himself said, by studying the teachings of the Rebbe and emulating his ways and by devoting oneself to the things that he held dear. What did the Lubavitcher Rebbe hold precious and dear? For the Lubavitcher Rebbe, his life was exemplified by love, by wisdom, by faith, by positivity. The Rebbe's love was overflowing. It reached out, warmed, uplifted, eased countless people, Jew and non-Jew alike. There were years when the Rebbe was available every Sunday to see people as he stood in the foyer of the shul, in the entrance hall of the shul. Thousands of people would file by. It was called the dollars. And he would give a dollar or two or three or whatever he saw fit to the individuals that they be empowered to go out and give tzedakah, that they go out and share it with someone else. The Rebbe's life was all about sharing. It was all about helping. It was all about uplifting. The Rebbe, if one needs to visualize, is like a big candle, a candle who reaches out and ignites others and ignites them so that they will go out and ignite still others. Thousands of people now serve around the globe as shluchim, emissaries of the Rebbe, striving to emulate the Rebbe's example of love, unconditional love, inspiration. And one of them is sitting in front of me. Mushki, welcome. And just tell us a little bit about where you live, what you do, and why. Thank you. Um, before I even launch into that, I must, I must say something came to mind as you're summing up what the Rebbe stood for. And there's the story told about the Rebbe's early life that it was almost symbolic of everything that was to follow in the Rebbe's life. When he was just nine years old, the Rebbe was walking along the Black Sea, the, the banks of the Black Sea with his mother. And all of a sudden, his mother looked around and couldn't see her young son. And people were starting to shout. There was a young boy struggling in the water. He was beginning to drown. And as if out of nowhere, another boy grabbed him, who had swum into the, wa swam into the water, grabbed him and pulled this boy back to shore, saving the boy's life. And people were astonished and bewildered. 
how did this young boy swim out there and why would he jump into the water that was so dangerous? And as his mother kept looking around for him, she realized the boy that had jumped in to save the drowning boy's life was her son. And it was this sense of others' lives in danger that dominated the Rebbe's consciousness, that the Rebbe was always looking to save someone who was drowning in water. And especially when it would come to a place that no one else would jump in. Hmm. And when you ask where I'm from, where I'm from, I'm from here. I'm originally South African, as you would know from my early years. From your accent. <laughs> um, but my husband and myself moved out to Mauritius a few years ago with our three children. Initially just the one, and now thank God three. And why are we there? The only reason is the Rebbe. Why else would a young religious couple be living in Mauritius? Yes, as people say, it's quite the Gun Eden. It's quite the paradise physically, but spiritually not always so. And we are there living the legacy of the Rebbe. What was the Rebbe's legacy? The Rebbe's legacy was his shluchim. Is his shluchim. And would you explain what are shluchim? Yes. Shluchim are emissaries that were sent out um, the sixth Lubavitcher Rebbe. Our, our Rebbe, what people fondly refer to as the Rebbe, was the seventh in the line of Chabad or Lubavitch Rebbe's leaders. And the Rebbe before him, who was our Rebbe's father-in-law, began this sending out of emissaries. And he sent actually an emissary to our very own continent, to Morocco, back many, many years before. You'll remind me of the year. In 1949. And what was the point of this? To take a young couple, a young yeshiva student who had just gotten married, that were um, easily influenced, to send them out where there were, was, pretty much no structured Jewish living in order to reach out to the, com- to the community and in many places not even the community to the individuals living there and to reach out to them and show that it doesn't matter where you're living, you're not forgotten. The, ju- the spark within your soul is very much alive <laughs> and we're here and we're all over the place, whether it's in Mauritius or whether it was in Morocco all those years ago, to draw out that spark and to create the community and to show that, yes, Johannesburg or Brooklyn or Grand Bay in Mauritius is not really all that different because an individual is an individual wherever they are. Hmm. It's God's world and he's put us where he's put us. And then you arrive and you nurture that spark and you make the yontif a yontif, the Shabbat a Shabbat. You create community. You draw people together. You see to the needs. If there's a wedding or, God forbid, a death, if there's a, a bris that's needed, and just generally there's a presence and there's a sense of responsibility to want to reach out and to nurture. We'll be right back after this short break. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. I'm Mashi Lipsker, back with you. 
We're talking about the approaching 23rd yard site of the Rebbe of Righteous Memory. And here in the studio is Mushki Barber, who together with her husband and family serve the community in Mauritius. Many of you out there have been to their home, have enjoyed their hospitality, have been warmed by a Jewish presence, ongoing presence in Mauritius. Mushki, besides the visitors who come, is there a community? And what goes on on a daily basis for you? So there is most definitely a community. And how many Jews have you found in Mauritius? So whether we found them or they have found us, um, there are about, I would say, 130 individuals. We count men, women, children. It's a big simcha when someone falls pregnant over there because the community is about to the grow. The population. We're, <laughs> we're exploding over there. But thank God, it's a wonderful community, albeit small. Each individual counts greatly. And as you say, there are many tourists coming and going, but the core are the people who live there. And, and I mean, is there a shul? If you see my living room on a Wednesday afternoon, you might be doubtful of that. But if you return on a Shabbos morning, there most definitely is a shul. The couches move to one side, the mechitzas over here, the Torahs are put over there. So it's quite the versatile space. But we're... As much as we're there and you say many people listening may have popped in or been in contact with us, whether it's for kosher food or the need of something else Jewish related while on the island, for us, it's a true privilege because we're only there because of the Rebbe's vision. And the Rebbe's ideal was that through the generations and specifically in the Holocaust, the Jews may have been hunted out in hate. But what are we doing? We are hunting out every Jew in love. Hmm. And being in Mauritius, we have come across Jews from every spectrum, from every continent, from many countries, speaking many languages. I didn't think I would ever be sitting somewhere and say, yes, I, I'm beginning to become more and more fluent in French. <laughs> but thank God it's been quite a journey and a real privilege, as I say. And day to day over there, it's not what you have over here when you run through Glen Hazel or dash through Pick and Pay, that Jewish life and Jewish opportunity is just at your fingertips. But we work hard to create that. We've been very blessed that in the last 18 months, almost every single Shabbat that we've been on the island, there has been a Minyan Shabbat morning. And it's taught me so much about the individuals over there because for my husband or for a religious man visiting the island they wouldn't think twice about wanting to be part of a minyan but a lot of the core members that hold up that minyan and that commit themselves to be there if you had spoken to them a few years ago they would never have said no that's where I am on a Saturday morning it's important to me and they want to be there and it's been such an eye-opener that it doesn't matter what level of observance a person is up to. It doesn't matter where they're going to be after shul or before shul. It's all about that moment. It's all about the moment of the mitzvah. Sure. 
And that is, is so reflecting exactly what the Rebbe stood for. Because the Rebbe, um, began his leadership behind the scenes during the Second World War, but overtly after the war. And the Jewish nation was broken, decimated, in pieces. The remnants were arriving in the United States to Israel, in different places of the world, Australia. The shtetl was no more. The horrific experiences haunted them. And the Rebbe, with love, began to build with positivity began to encourage. And in truth, the Rebbe, whoever the Rebbe would meet, he would look deeply into their soul. He would ask them for one thing. It was like one step at a time until ultimately the Rebbe made campaigns, as it were. In other words, highlighting one thing at a time. We have today a whole structure, as it were, and when I think of you, Mushki, I think, take something like the Rebbe's 10 mitzvahs that he highlighted, things like lighting Shabbos candles and tefillin and mezuzah, kosher, education for children, study of Torah. I'm look at the, looking at these 10 and thinking, how do you manage on the island? So let's talk about three to start with, and that is kosher food and Shabbat and, of course, the mikveh. Now, how, how do you do those three? Well, it's amazing because when you start mentioning these these three plus the other seven, to me, the only thing it says to me is this is our blueprint. This is our guidebook. Because that is what structures our days and our weeks and our months. When you talk about kosher, it's difficult, but not so difficult in Mauritius. If you think about your, your average pantry, thank God we are very blessed that the South African Bethden, I have, I have not enough words to praise them. They have been so adamant in having their stamp on all, um, products that they certify that even in Mauritius we have so many kosher products over there with the South African stamp so I can pick up most of my dry pantry from from my local supermarket in regards to um, to fresh produce thank God we get our although not Woolworths food <laughs> although not as as the variety that we'd like it, we get a lot of um, okay fruits, vegetables, etc. And we do have to bring in our meat and chicken and dairy products. And living on the island, we're, we're lucky enough with the fish that that's okay. And in regards to kosher, there isn't anywhere to pick up a quick bite to eat. But so most of the cooking goes on in the house, if not all the cooking goes on in the house. And in regards to kosher, it's just... It's taken a lot of getting used to, but thank God it's all very doable. And we very much feel the the blessings of the Rebbe that 
in some regards where there have been obstacles, those obstacles have been able to be overcome. We've, we've started to be able to, to work easier with different importers, etc. And that's in regards to kosher. In regards to Shabbat, you know what? Shabbos is Shabbos wherever you are. And I think Shabbos comes from the heart. And what is Shabbos? It's that ambiance. As my children will tell you, the minute we light the Shabbos candles, there's someone in the house. Who is that someone? The Shabbos queen. Hmm. And it's about creating that environment wherever you are. And because what really is a Shabbos? You can pick up tea lights anywhere. You, you have your basic ingredients for challah anywhere. You can put on a white tablecloth or any color tablecloth and, and put a few foods out. It's creating that ambiance, that bringing that aura into your house, making that day special. And it's an amazing thing because l- growing up in Johannesburg, I never had the conversation as much as I've had it in Mauritius in regards to the observance of Shabbos. Because I think over here, we take it more for granted. Shabbos, oh, it's coming. Even you bump into someone on the street who will clearly not be Jewish. Very often if they see you're Jewish and you're walking on a Shabbos, what will they say? Good Shabbos. And I've become so appreciative for that 5.15 on a Friday afternoon when the phone goes off and when it's just the real quality time. And Shabbos is a very special part of our week because, as I mentioned before, we thank God we have our weekly minyan. The community comes together. We have everyone sitting around for, I mean, anyone who's looking for a bit of a later minyan, you know, we start over there at 11 a.m., you know, the island, the island life. And we sit together after shul for a meal. Everyone sits around and it can go for hours. A few weeks ago, I think 5 p.m., people were still sitting around and, and enjoying one another's company because essentially that's what it is, connecting as human beings. And when you talk about the third, I wouldn't say difficulty, the third challenge, the third. Well, basically, the three basic mitzvahs that are entrusted into the hands of the woman, which are the basis of the home, the basis of the family, the basis of the nation. And you have Shabbat. As we know, more than Jews have kept Shabbos, Shabbos has kept us. How true. Kashrut, which is basic, basic. You are what you eat. And... Knowing that you're a Jew and you can only eat in a certain way, it builds you. It builds your dignity. It builds your pride. It truly does. And then there's the private one, the beautiful mikvahs that we have here in Johannesburg. How blessed this community is. Such beautiful mikvahs. Do you have a mikvah in Mauritius? We have a mikvah bigger than all of yours put together. It's called the Indian Ocean as of now. But um, thank God we are actively working on building our, our very own mikvah. And it's as much as it would pose as a challenge, what the words I've heard the most in the use of the mikvah, whether it's talking to the phone, um, talking on the phone to a woman who needs to go or or discussing it with someone who's just astounded that this is actually the mikvah that we use, the ocean, are the words, Mi Amcha Yisrael. Who is like this nation, Israel? The Jewish people are so dedicated to their connection with Hashem. I mean, that you'd see a woman going to all lengths to keep these mitzvot. And so how, 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 do, how do you do this? How do you 
go to the mikveh in the ocean. So the very first thing that I would say to anyone out there, you must speak with your rabbi. It's not a blanket covered um, ideal situation for anyone. You, you must always touch base with your rabbi and rabbitson to make sure all of that is okay. But in truth, what is the idea of the mikveh is that you're completely surrounded by the water, by the natural water, and that is the ocean. And there are the, the different particular customs and halachic guidelines that need to be followed. But the, the ocean is almost, from what I've heard many women when I've taken them, what have they said? That this is so meaningful and almost connects them more to Hashem because they feel it more. They feel what they're doing because they have to step out of their comfort zone. And I think that's what it brings us back to. Why do I live in Mauritius? It's not my comfort zone. What, something I haven't yet touched on, the chinuch of my children, the education of my children. We're very privileged to be able to come to South Africa a few times a year so our children can join the Torah Academy, the most wonderful school that allows us to bring our children for a few weeks at a time to gain for the, from the social aspect. Our children are homeschooled as well as they are on the Shluchim online school. A whole nother discussion, but in brief, a completely virtual classroom with kids from around the world. So my, my oldest, my five and a half year old has classmates from Australia, from Luxembourg, from Spain, from Nigeria, from China. And it's, it's phenomenal. But at the end of the day, we do need the for the social regular interactive part which is why we come to south africa so if you would ask me is mauritius in my comfort zone not particularly it's a big leap out of our comfort zone and that's what the rebbe pushed us to do because greatness is achieved when you can step out of your 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 square that you're comfortable with yeah and you keep talking about how the Rebbe had these connections with individuals. And what was phenomenal was no individu individual was smaller or greater in the eyes of the Rebbe. Whether that was an individual who lived on a remote island somewhere that no one had even heard of, or whether that individual was the president of a country. And we see how so many world leaders held the Rebbe in such high esteem and how so many world leaders praised every aspect of the Rebbe, whereas the Rebbe was the leader of the Chabad world, but the Jewish world coming out of the war where Jews were not seen as a force to be reckoned with. Jews were not seen as a nation who you would want to sit across the table with at, at a, a discussion in order to let the goodness of the world go forward. But world leaders from Israel, from the UK, from the US, praised the Rebbe. Why? Because the Rebbe worried about each and every individual. And how are great countries built? On the individual. Sure. How are great businesses built? On the individual. Ask any business owner how their, their business became great. No one can do it on their own. It's all about bringing those individuals together and realizing that each and every individual has their own potential. Oh. And when, when we look at the, the Rebbe had, I would say, 
the Rebbe had his message, the Rebbe had his inspiration, and the Rebbe had his legacy. And there you go. And here we are just before the 23rd Yorzeit of the Rebbe, and we're looking at the accomplishments, we're looking at the legacy, and we're amazed. We're amazed because there's so much that keeps on coming out that we never knew about. You know, Mushki, your grandparents, they were sent out by the previous Rebbe initially, after they got married, to serve a community. In fact, in those days, there weren't so many Hasidim. The pool was small, and the Rebbe, previous Rebbe, and then the Rebbe would send people to certain places for a short time and then move them again. In fact, in my family, all four of my parents' children, myself and my three siblings, each one was born in a different city because the needs of that particular place were calling, and the Rebbe would move my father of blessed memory and my mother to wherever the need was, two years at a time, etc. But of course now, the way it works is that an overwhelming majority, wherever you go, you stay for life until the Mashiach comes. And you can take your whole community with you to to the Holy Land. In other words, we believe that the Mashiach is coming and that all the work that we're doing will culminate in goodness for all of mankind, peace on earth, and eternal spiritual sensitivity. When It's interesting because when you talk about the changing of the world, peace in the world, as I just mentioned before about the Rebbe's legacy, message, and inspiration. What was the Rebbe's um, message? That every single one of us can change ourselves, and we have the potential through changing ourselves to change the world. That no individual is just an island of their own. That this changing of the world that you talk about, this Mashiach that you talk about, it's in everybody's hands. That was the Rebbe's message. And what was the Rebbe's inspiration? How, how do we get to that changing the world? The Rebbe accepted every single person, whoever they were, no matter how they behaved, no matter where they were from, for who they were. But he didn't stop there because he would look at each person and push them That's to it. do one more thing. That's it. You take that blueprint of the 10 actions that one can do. And by pushing yourself one bit further, you don't know. You know, all these cliche sayings, are you the change that the world needs, etc.? Yes, that's what you are. By pushing yourself that one extra step, by stepping out of your comfort zone, that's what the Rebbe's message was. But stepping out of your comfort zone with the Rebbe had one ringing um, refrain, and that was, care about the other. Exactly. You take that story when he was a nine-year-old boy, and that is what the Rebbe's life was about. Jump into that sea, or maybe not. Maybe just reach out a hand and pull the child out. You never know the situation, but don't think that you're not enough. If you see something, what do they say on the, the New York subway? That you, that it says, if you see something, say something. If you see something, do something. We'll be right back after this short break. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. And a guten Erev Shabbos and a guten Erev Chodesh. We are 
just about to enter the month of Tammuz. And the month of Tammuz in the Hasidic calendar, 90 years ago, the month of Tammuz became the month of redemption because the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe had been incarcerated by the communists for what he said was legal, and that was to live a Jewish life and to promote Jewish education, etc. But he was a bone in the throat of the communist government, particularly of the Jewish section of the communist government. But after 19 days of being imprisoned and tortured and beaten, he was actually released from jail, and ultimately his entire sentence was commuted. His entire sentence was then canceled. So the month of Tamils for Chsidim has always been a month of Geula, a month of redemption. Interestingly, some years later, in 1994, our Rebbe passed away on that very day. But the way Hasidim look at things is that every situation, the difficult ones as well, are the beginning of something bright and hopeful, the beginning of light, the beginning of redemption. Because as you mentioned previously, Mushki, that when you come out, when you look at something which is hard for you, and you say, get out of your comfort zone, we are taught that in the darkness there is great light. And you have to descend, really descend into the darkness. You have to be real about it in order to release the light that exists in the darkness. That nothing is just dark, challenging, painful. Everything is from Hashem who is good, who is light, who is life. And that he gives us things with love. Some of it, well, it's love covered over, and you have to take off the husk, the shell, the cement, the covering. But that's the road to greatness. Greatness is achieved by accessing the God-given infinite abilities that each one of us possesses. But you cannot access the infinite by being ordinary. And you keep saying, step out of your comfort zone. Put it any way that you like. It's about challenging ourselves. And the Rebbe challenged us. He challenged himself and every individual that he met, be it a world leader, be it a humble person, be it an educator, a business person, a communal leader, a mom, a dad, a businessman. He challenged every individual to stretch. Just do one more thing. And not only that, he challenged us to reach out to other people, to offer somebody a mitzvah. He organized it so brilliantly, because although the mitzvahs of God are infinite, each one stands on its own. And when you get someone, you inspire someone, you remind someone to do a mitzvah, not only do the blessings flow to them, but because you inspired them, it's like a parent who's so grateful that you've nurtured their 
child, that Hashem showers you with blessing as well. And before we continue, Mushki, with your insights and a little bit more about Mauritius, the yard site is a day when the soul is elevated. And we are taught that anyone who attaches themselves to that soul is elevated as well. And the soul becomes a guter better, asking, interceding on high for blessings for everyone who is close to that person. And how do we get close to the Rebbe? How do we draw down great blessing for ourselves, particularly on the day coming up on the 23rd Yard site, next Monday night and Tuesday, whether we travel to be at the graveside of the Rebbe or we're here in Johannesburg or in Mauritius, it is by emulating the Rebbe's love, by like the Rebbe reaching out to others and getting them to do one more mitzvah. What comes to mind is what Prime Minister Netanyahu in Israel has often said. He says, the Rebbe told me, remember that in a hall of perfect darkness, if you light one small candle, its precious light will be seen by everyone. Hmm. That your mission is to light a candle for truth and for the Jewish people. The Rebbe told that to Netanyahu. Yes. And Netanyahu says, that is what I've tried to do ever since. And this is what we are all asked to do. Sometimes the situation can seem quite bleak, quite dark. And we think, what can I do? How can I really make a difference? We get overwhelmed by the facts and figures surrounding us. And what is that light? What does one small candle mean? The Rebbe didn't just say, do something, figure it out. The Rebbe gave it to us on a platter. The Rebbe said, you know what? I'll even start it off for you. Here are 10 easy points. Grab one of them. You know what? Sitting here today on a Friday, right before the Yorzeit of the Rebbe, of the Rebbe, I am gonna, I'm gonna put it out as a challenge that we look at this life and many of us feel almost intimidated. You look at the life of the Rebbe and how could we, how could we accomplish such greatness but the Rebbe showed us how and it is all about reaching out and reaching in Hmm. there's so much to be done in both those areas whether it is for a woman in the area of Shabbat candles and that really doesn't take up a lot of time I mean if we're going to calculate the time the time to take the candles out and put them on the counter 30 seconds. The time to, to, to light the, strike the match, light the candle, let's give it nine seconds. We're at 39 seconds. The time to, to cover your eyes and say that blessing and pray for whatever it is in your heart. Let's give that 40 seconds. So we're at um, 79 seconds. So we're going to push that up, say 80 seconds. And the Rebbe promised that these things are going to add in positivity in our life. So for 80 seconds a week, we're, we're getting a pretty good deal, I would say. <laughs> and so for a woman, how about that? And not just to light it, but to ensure that you're lighting it at the correct time and to say the correct bracha. And that 
is is a challenge I put to you women out there. And if you're already doing that, there are many more. Well, what about SMSing your friend? What about getting someone else to honor this coming Shabbos, which is Rosh Chodesh? Beautiful. And to add light in the world, which is the Rebbe's life's mission. And you reach in and you reach out. You do it yourself and you reach out to someone else to do it. Now, men, we're not leaving you out. If I, if I tell you one of my proudest points about being in Mauritius, my husband, Rabbi Lema Barber, takes great pride in the mitzvah of tefillin. And you mean by putting them on? Oh, he puts them on early every morning, but a little while after that, they're tucked under his arm and he's out the door visiting the Jews around the island. And he has been to many of them that quickly will wrap it and say the blessing and get on with their day. And they're thrilled to do so. But he's been to many of the guys that say, you know what, Rabbi, it's not for me. And he'll persist and persist. And there have been, I would say, quite a few bar mitzvahs of men who are 50, 60. I believe a few weeks ago he had a man who was, I think, 78 or so for the first time in his life putting on tefillin and we we know i think it comes from the talmud that the physical structure of the man's head actually changes once tefillin is put on and we if, well, if that's the physical we can't even understand the spiritual blessings that must rain down yes sorry no just to say that every we're taught that every single mitzvah changes us when mashiach will come we will see that the arm that has been wrapped with tefillin does not look the same as the arm that never was. That the hand that has given tzedakah changes. That the the actual, we know with things like kosher, that we are what we eat. Correct. But all of these things also engender pride, Jewish pride. And we need to remember that we have... A tremendous, tremendous way of life called the Torah. And that Hashem has taken his inner will and dressed it in physical activities. So when you are giving tzedakah, when you're putting a coin into the tzedakah box, or when you affix a kosher mezuzah, or when you... Sit down and study some Torah, which is so available online. There's so much available in, in the language of your choice. When you put on tefillin, when you light a candle for Shabbos, when you show love to another, you're doing a mitzvah, which is God's will. And what you're actually doing is bringing God into the world, into your heart, into your home. You're changing yourself. You're changing your environment. You're changing the world. So true. And that's what the Rebbe's inspiration that led into his actual message was, that no person is too small to make that huge change, that we all have that power within our hands to change ourselves, to reach out to another. You reach in, you reach out, and the world lights up. And that doesn't mean you have to take the thing that's hardest for you. Take something small. No one is saying... If you don't do it all, it doesn't count. Every tiny thing counts. And whether that's even reaching out to someone who needs a little extra love. For sure. And or as you said, putting a mezuzah on your home, taking on an extra mitzvah in any regard. 
It's really up to you. And I challenge you on this Friday before the yard site of the Rebbe, do it and challenge a friend. Because when it comes down to it, we can only change ourselves. And by doing that, we really can live that legacy of the Rebbe in changing the world and adding in goodness and kindness. Thank you, Mushki. Thank you for being with us. Candlelighting 507. May we merit to have a truly bright Shabbos and a bright month. And please, God, a bright new world. The year is 1914, when medical student Michael Bogazian arrives in the cosmopolitan Turkish capital, Constantinople. There he meets Anna, and their shared Armenian heritage sparks an immediate attraction. With the mighty Ottoman Empire crumbling in the Great War, Constantinople is on the verge of chaos. As the Turks form an alliance with Germany and the empire turns violently against its own ethnic minorities, Michael and Anna must join forces to survive. Promises are made and promises are broken. The one promise that must be kept is to live on and tell the story. Directed by Terry George, director of Hotel Rwanda, The Promise stars Oscar Isaac, Charlotte Le Bon, and Academy Award winner Christian Bale, and releases at select cinemas today, Friday, 23rd of June. Have a good Shabbos and a good Tomid.